Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. doing? How are you feeling this morning? Feeling good? Quiet? We're quiet today? Um, so last week we started a new series is all about life-giving practices, things that are life-giving, and Chris talked about forgiveness and just the power in, in your response to people and, and the power in choosing forgiveness, choosing love, when it necessarily might not feel good to do that, um, or not responding in that way would be justified. Um, and it, it was very impactful for me. So if you didn't watch it, go back and watch it. Um, but I have thought a lot about life-giving practices, life-giving things, and what that means to me. Um, and my friends, or anyone who knows me, uh, knows that I don't, like if I like something or enjoy it, it's not in a casual way at all. Um, like I, I really, really love things when I love them. And so when I first heard that I was gonna be talking about the concept of something being life-giving, my first reaction was like, all right, so I'm gonna go through every album that's been life-giving for me in the last five years, and I'm gonna talk people through it, like all the lyrics that are life-giving, and just like how they changed my life, and then I realized that maybe five of you would enjoy that, um, and it honestly would have been pretty self-serving, which is fine, um, but if you do wanna know about those albums, hit me up because um, I still want to talk about it. Um, so, as often happens uh, when Chris asks me to talk, I have no idea what I'm going to say. And I panic, and then life punches me in the face, and then I figure it out. Um, so, I had a couple weeks where I was not experiencing life-giving energy, um, I was I was really having a hard time. I interviewed for a job and thought that I had it and like it was it was a done deal and I did not get the job and I had I was in some friendships and relationships that I was like really hoping would work out in a specific way and they did not work out that way and there were people in my life that I had hoped would show up for me in a specific way that did not and so I just was experiencing a lot of like things I was hoping for not happening and feeling pretty disappointed and feeling stuck because I was disappointed by what was happening in my life and what wasn't happening and uh, just feeling really disappointed in that. And the temptation was to react, to like place myself as the victim in the stories that are being played out, to to sit in self-pity and disappointment and uh, like allow myself to become pretty depressed about those things. And I've done that before in these types of situations. Um, 
but I realized as it was kind of happening um, that that reaction, while very valid and very human and very uh, not even wrong, like that's okay, um, it wasn't something that was going to be life-giving to me. And I, I wanted to take another direction. Um, and then I was given a gift, and uh, not everyone would agree that this is a gift, but uh, I was given the gift of an 11-hour uh, drive to and from South Dakota. Uh, <laughs> so it was, it was amazing, and I mean that genuinely. Uh, I probably wouldn't have felt that way before this particular trip, but I just was given space to think and process and sit with myself and everything that was happening, and it was, it was such a blessing to me. Um, so I was driving through South Dakota, and I had nothing but time, uh, and a quote from the book You Belong by uh, Sebene Selassie came to mind. Uh, it's, buckle up, y'all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Belonging is our capacity to feel joy, freedom, and love in any moment. As the late Zen teacher Charlotte Joko Beck said, joy is exactly what's happening minus our opinion of it. She made a distinction between joy and happiness. Happiness has an opposite, unhappiness. Joy is not about happy or unhappy, liking or disliking. Joy is accepting each moment for what it is without contention. We belong to any moment simply by meeting it with joy, and this is freedom. Whew. Um, joy is exactly what's happening minus our opinion of it. I, that uh, ruined my life. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm not qualified or equipped to speak to all circumstances of suffering, and, nor would I attempt to do that in any way. Um, but as a person with considerable privilege, um, a lot of my suffering can be entirely reframed by that one sentence. That for a long time I would like get wrapped up and hurt, and I think reasonably so, um, that my family wasn't more affirming of LGBTQ people. Uh, that people who I've been told are supposed to unconditionally love me the most and accept me and support me the most, um, that those people were some of the most disappointed and ashamed and um, uncomfortable with me choosing to be honest about my gender, my sexuality, and honestly, like political affiliation that I experienced not a lot of love in that situation. And that's something a lot of LGBTQ people face and experience. And of course, it's complex because our concept of belonging and identity from a psychological standpoint, um, it, it's often dependent on our experience of love and acceptance from our family. So that makes things hard and that impacts your mental health and it, it impacts your ability to have relationships and um, that's entirely valid and I would never discount that at all. And also, I have had the privilege of having a therapist for a lot of my life. Um, some of them were better than others, um, as often happens with therapists. Um, but 
in addition to that, I, I got to a point in my life where I made a decision to fight for my life in ways that other people were not willing to in a way that I hadn't in the past. Um, so what, what that has looked like in fighting, fighting for belonging in a way that isn't compatible necessarily with my family, um, it isn't compatible necessarily with American culture, Western culture, um, and, and, and those ideas of what life means. Um, I was told for a very long time that having a sustainable career and retirement plan and uh, marriage and kids and money and these things are, that's what life is, is you go to school and then you go to college and then you get an internship and then you get a job and then you stay in that job forever and then you can retire and have like 10 to 15 years to do whatever you want and then you die and that's what life is <laughs> and that never really sat well with me um, <laughs> that that would be all that life is and I just felt like there was something else that life had to mean because it couldn't just be that right um, so <laughs> I had to find for myself what life means for me and I, I've read a lot of philosophical approaches to that, spiritual approaches to that, secular, whatever approaches to that. Um, and the places where I found the most life were in places of honesty, love, presence, and joy. And usually those things coexisting. Um, because when I'm honest, it forces me to get present and it forces me to recenter myself on love. And if joy is exactly what's happening, minus my opinion of it, then what happens in moments of discomfort and disappointment is I ask myself what my ego has to say about the situation. I ask myself what love has to say about the situation. And I ask what is true in that moment. Um, and uh, hold on. Uh, most often, my ego tells me all the ways that I'm being cheated. It points to others as the source of the problem, saying they should do this, they should be this, they should say this, they should feel this. Um, it operates out of self-serving, typically, um, and usually involves some sort of revenge <laughs> um, from, the, from the perspective of, like, justice must be served, <laughs> um, which honestly, in, in some moments, being honest means like asking people to use my correct pronouns, which is not always comfy. Um, sometimes being honest means that I have to set a boundary because there's a difference between suffering that I can control and suffering that is actually just abuse and mistreatment. And um, I had to learn what those lines were and how to engage with them. Um, but again, my experience of those things is often up to me and the story that I'm telling myself about it. Um, should my family love me unconditionally? Sure. Do they in some ways? Sure. Um, should my family and coworkers respect and use my pronouns correctly? Sure. Yeah. Um, should the people I'm in relationships with be honest with me and operate out of love? Sure. 
But what happens when those things don't happen? Like, what, what is my experience when those things don't happen? Does it impact my identity, my worth? Um, does that mean that I don't get to experience love? And it, that fully, fully depends on the story that I tell myself about the experience. Um, most often, when I ask what love has to say about the situation, love tells me that every person involved in the situation has a story that they're operating out of. Love offers grace for other humans. Um, and love tells me that there's a bigger story being told than the one my ego is trying to force as the narrative. Most often when I ask myself what is true in that moment, I'm brought back to the opportunity to experience joy. Setting aside my opinion about the situation allows me to experience what's actually happening in that moment. Um, so these are all really cool ideas, right? <laughs> like cool ideas, but how does a person go from this being a cool idea to like actually showing up that way and choosing love and choosing to respond in that way? Because it takes self-awareness and it takes practice and it takes risk. Um, and turning that into something that is life-giving for myself has been through the practice of meditation. And so that's kind of, that was like a lot of lead up. Um, but that's kind of what we're focusing on today is just the life-giving practice of meditating. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to serve or seek the kingdom of God in an American lifestyle. Um, but one of my favorite things that Jesus said was in Luke 17 when he said, the kingdom of God does not come in such a way as to be seen. No one will say, look, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. That's game over. I have nothing else to say. Um, just kidding, I do. Um, <laughs> but accessing the kingdom of God within myself has meant accessing love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Humility, self-control, it, it's accessing wisdom that was always there, but I had to get quiet enough to experience it and, and to hear it. And I, I don't know about y'all, but my thoughts can get really loud. What's happening in my head, my opinion about what's happening around me or to me can get really loud. Um, and, and usually those thoughts think that they're right. <laughs> And sometimes they are. I was practicing this, and I was like, often they are. And I was like, who am I? Well, shut up. <laughs> sometimes they're right. Um, but there's something beyond myself that I can only access if I quiet all of that. If I take the risk of <laughs> the discomfort of getting alone with my thoughts and my emotions which are my least favorite of the two, um, and all of that, and I loosen my grip on them. So a great, great book on meditation uh, is Richard Rohr's Everything Belongs. If you haven't read anything about Richard Rohr, you need to do it. Um, mostly because I'm about to quote him a whole lot, 
but also, he's changed my life. So, uh, he says a lot of really good things about meditation, contemplation practices, in Everything Belongs. Um, but here are a few really good ones that uh, impacted me as I was sitting with this. Um, one is know that things are okay as they are. This moment is as perfect as it can be. The saints called this the sacrament of the present moment. Beautiful. Um, the second one is a little more intense. So, uh, <laughs> Liminal space is always an experience of displacement in the hope of a new point of view. No wonder Jesus called it turning around. Unfortunately, the Greek word metanoia, which m literally means to move beyond the mind, is usually translated as repentance and no longer points to its much deeper meaning. So, uh, I don't know that I have a really concrete point. <laughs> this morning, like, I would love to just be like, and this is your takeaway. But I think my point would be uh, our thoughts and our ego and the stories that we tell ourselves can often be the largest obstacle to us experiencing life and love and joy in their truest forms. Um, but moving beyond those things takes risk and intentionality. So uh, for worship today, I know you guys were like, why didn't you sing? Um, <laughs> because we're all going to do a guided meditation together. So uh, for worship today, we're going to do this guided meditation. I'm going to walk through it, talk through it, participate however you feel comfortable. Um, but I encourage you to take a risk and take a step toward presence, whatever that means for you. So maybe it's doing the whole thing. Maybe it's just getting present with what your body and your breath. Um, maybe you have something specific that you'd like to process. But I just feel like there is something good in every moment if we're still enough to find it. So uh, to quote Richard Rohr one last time, uh, the most courageous thing that we will ever do is bear humbly the mystery of our own reality. So now I have nothing else to say. Um, so I'm going to read through this, and this is how we're going to end. It's it, kind of a short service today, but this will take, I don't know, time. Uh, when you're done, you can head out, chat at your own pace, do what you need to do. But be mindful if, other, if somebody is like needing a moment, and just be respectful of one another as, as people engage. Um, so if you're able, you can stand. Um, you can also sit, if you'd like. <laughs> um, but just engage how you can. Um, you can close your eyes, if you'd like. Um, s otherwise, some people. That can be hard to keep your eyes closed for a long period of time. So some people do like a soft gaze where they're not looking at anything specifically. They're just, their eyes are kind of open and observing. Uh, to get centered, take some nice, slow, deep breaths. Breathing in fully, exhaling slowly. Breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. And feel your stomach expanding as you let go and exhale. Begin to let go of the noises around you and shift your attention from outside to inside yourself. 
If you're distracted by sounds in the room, simply notice it and bring your focus back to your breathing. If at any point during this meditation you realize you've become distracted or your mind wanders off, that's okay. Just tune back into the sound of my voice, into your breathing. When you're ready, pay attention to the sensations in your body, scanning from the top of your head down to your toes. And the focus of this practice is not to try to change anything about your experience. There's no right way to feel in this moment. Simply become aware of what is without judgment. As you put your attention to your breath, it brings you to the present moment. Your body is continuously changing each moment. Each experience, sound, or smell changes something within you. And these changes cannot be reversed. Breathing in, accepting these changes. Breathing out, acknowledging the power in each moment. There is no life in the last moment. It is gone. And the next moment has not happened yet. What choice is there for you but to live in the present moment? Fully surrender yourself to the flow of time. Live each moment full of joy. Enjoy being exactly what's happening, minus your opinion of it. Your past is past, and your future depends on how you live in the present moment. Keep on breathing deeply and slowly and observing the breath moving in and out. A stand of aspen trees is actually one large organism where the roots are a single life force. From a standing position, imagine all the people and beings currently in your life as a field of aspen trees. Locating yourself among this field, sense your feet rooted into the ground, connecting with the root system that connects you to all the other trees. Now imagine that this root system is connected not only to those you know and love, but to every single being and entity, known and unknown. It's 
stand tall. There is air and space around you, but everything is connected underneath and within. Can you feel space and contact? Can you feel independent and connected? As we bring this meditation to an end, keeping your eyes closed for just a while longer, take a moment to notice how you're feeling, your body, your mind, your spirit. If you like, offer gratitude for this time that you've taken for yourself to be quiet, to breathe, and to bring yourself back into balance. When you're ready, slowly come back into the room, aware of your body standing or in the chair, opening your eyes when you feel ready. Great job. I am proud of each of you for taking a moment to be with your body and choosing presence, even when it's uncomfortable. This is where we're going to end today. So take a couple moments if you need it. But whenever you go, go in peace.